and this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us Good morning, Venture. It's so good to be with you. Before we jump in, I would just love to take a time just to pray for our mornings, if you would. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day outside, and just thank you for the opportunity to come here and just to listen to songs about you, to praise you. And Lord, as we dive into Scripture, just read about what you have for us today. I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, tell me the words to say. Use me to speak your truth. And Lord, as we go throughout our weeks and uh, just the rest of these days, I just pray that we would continue to look towards you, that we would uh, just devote our lives to you in everything that we do. We give this day to you. We give our lives to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so today we are concluding our 323 series. So for this past month of March, we've been looking at different verses of the Bible that have a 323 aspect to them. And today we're going to be looking at 1 John 323. But before we jump in, we need to do the obvious and talk about what also happens during the month of March. Greatest time of year for some of us, March Madness, right? Like, March Madness, I love it. I love being able to watch 36 hours of a basketball dribble for a whole weekend. Like that's amazing. And then it continues the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend. And there's just, for me, there's just nothing better. Like there's a different pep in my step. Um, I wake up on that Thursday. Oh, you just like, you breathe in. You're like, yep. Upsets are going to happen today. And it's just, it's great. I love the buzzer beaters. I love uh, these athletes just competing for, honestly, one of the most, like, prized possessions in the sports world. I love uh, the, like, last second heaves. I love watching number one seeds go down in the first round. Like, this, this season is awesome. It's so good, except for when I have to watch my Tennessee Volunteers lose in the Sweet 16, as always, but we're just going to move past that, right? This is the season of basketball, and I love, and I really do love the season. But love, we use that word a lot. In our world, I feel like we use the term love really loosely. We love March Madness. We love Marvel movies. I love Oreos. You know, we use love a lot. In fact, when I first told my wife, Janine, that I loved her, um, I think I said, quote, I love you, but, but not like I love pizza. Like, I love you. And because I extended that of in the statement, it meant way more, right? Like, it was way more personable. And I, I, I was 19, okay? Like, give me, give me, I, it's cheesy. I was very cheesy at that age. I'm not anymore at all. Um, <laughs> Love is a big deal to us. During Valentine's Day, in fact, actually, Americans spend on average $20.7 billion on Valentine's Day, the day of love. Though that's the case, we also live in a world that loves to hate. We make fun and hate on celebrities or well-known people. We may even hate on people who are in our own lives because needless to say, all of us have opinions on something or someone, even though we might not say it to that person or those people. 
A prime example of this, honestly, is March Madness social media. Um, I don't know if any of you are on it, but what grown adults have been posting the last couple weeks about 18 to 20 year olds is mind blowing. I can't stand that kid. Like, I hate how they carry themselves. I'm so glad they lost. Like, I hope they just eat that lot, right? These are grown adults talking about college kids because they wear a jersey or play for a team or from somewhere. And I know the whole state of Indiana is kind of like really mad at Miami right now. But like, that's how people are interacting. Like these are college kids playing a game. And those students might be really great on campus. They might be doing a lot in their community. But because they play for a team, we just can't stand them. We hate to see them play and we love to see them fail. Love. As Christ followers, how do we love? How do we act in a way that emulates Christ's love to others? These are the questions. These are the, this is the topic that we talk a lot about in church, but we need to continue talking about it because though after hundreds and thousands of years of talking about love, we still sometimes really struggle with it. And so if you would, open up your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the seat back in front of you or maybe underneath your seat. That is on page 1,229. If you don't have your own Bible, I didn't ask Stan about this, but I'm sure he'll be okay. If you don't have your own Bible, take that home. Free gift to us. Free gift to you, not us. Um, free gift to you. Take that home. We want you to have a Bible. Um, and so, yeah, that's right in the seat back in front of you. So, 1 John is what we're studying today. John, 1 John was written by John the Apostle. And now John also wrote the gospel according to John. He wrote all three letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he wrote Revelation. So needless to say, John was super passionate about writing and getting the word out to people about who Jesus was and what Jesus did for us. And when John wrote this first letter, he wrote with a couple purposes. The first one was to reaffirm Jesus's humanity and his divinity for believers. He wrote to instruct believers in their Christian walk. And as we read 1 John, we see um, themes of walking in the light, the family of God, error and truth, God being life and God being love. And in chapter 2, verse 28, John writes, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ. Now, when he's talking about children, he has shifted his topic from talking about light and darkness to then talking about Christian behavior, how to live in a Christian way. Some of you in your Bible even says, living as children of God, living as Christians. And so before we move on, we have to just dive into what that word Christian means. So the original Greek word for Christian is Christianos. And Christianos can be broken down into two Greek words, Christ and Tien. And then breaking it down further, Christ means anointed and Tien means little. So to be Christian, to live as a Christian literally means to be little anointed ones. 
That's what Christian means. We are little anointed ones. We're little Christs. During his life, Jesus was called the Messiah, which meant the anointed one. And those who believe in him are his little anointed ones. By his spirit that he gave to us to represent, it's our job to represent him in this world. So to think of Christian behavior, think of it as living anointed or living as little Christs. And so in verse 28 of chapter 2, when John calls us children, what being, being a children, being a child of God means that as we fellowship with him, we naturally begin to act like him. We learn from him as we observe him. Have any of you ever been told by someone or maybe you told someone, oh my gosh, like you are just like your dad or oh, you act just like your mom. Right, as little kids, we grow up and we're watching our parents interact. I got it all the time growing up. Like, oh, how you walk and how you talk is just like your mom and your dad. And right, because we're watching, we're absorbing. Kids are like little sponges, right? We just want to, we're absorbing, we're knowing what people are doing around us. And I never got the full picture of that until this past year. So Janine and I, my wife, we've been raising since day two of her life, a little foster baby. She's 15 months old now, and she's beginning to act like us. So backstory that you really don't care about, but we got a dog as a typical millennial couple with no kids does, and we took him to obedience training, and so we went through this whole training, and so now he knows commands like sit, stay, down, all that, but some of them have hand motions attached to them. So for down, right, I'll walk over and I'll tell him down, and then he gets on all fours and he's good. Well... Just recently, our foster daughter has been doing the same thing. I will walk over and I'll tell our dog down and then I'll walk away. And not 30 seconds later, her little 15 toddler self waddles over and goes, duh, just stares at him. He's already, he might already be down, but she's mimicking what we do. The crazy thing is he listens to her sometimes. Like, he doesn't have to do it. He's just standing there minding his own business. She just walks over and just get down. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll, right? She's 15 months old. That's the age that we're already starting to learn and absorb motions and conversation and how we act. And in Matthew 18, Jesus tells us to have a childlike faith. And I really never knew what that meant. And truly until this last 15 months. What does it look like to have a childlike faith? It's to watch, to walk alongside, to absorb as much as we can from Jesus in order to present him to the world. To know how to act and talk and be like Jesus is to spend time with him, to fellowship and to gain and absorb that knowledge. John writing here, he's writing as an old man. He's definitely a grandpa at this point. Honestly, he's probably the last living apostle to spend time with Jesus. And so as a grandpa, he's writing this letter and he's saying, this is what you need to know. You know, grandpas can say things other people can't, right? Like they're way more blunt. They just say it how it is. They tell you what you need to know because they've had a lot more life than you. And they're just like, look, this is what you need to know. And so today, as we dive into 1 John, as we read this passage, read it through those lens, read it through John as a grandpa, trying to impart wisdom on us, trying to tell us, hey, this is what Jesus needs from you. This is what Jesus wants from you. Okay, let's back, jump back into 1 John chapter 3. And 
it's super crucial for us to not just read verses out of context and just to pull. So like we've been doing this entire series, we're going to read a chunk of scripture and walk through it. And we're going to get to 1 John 3.23 there at the end. So 1 John 3, start with me in verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother Abel had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is a really a murderer at heart. And you know what? Murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And here's our verse for today. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Okay, there is a lot to unpack here. So we're going to dive into this. You have heard from the beginning to love one another. Plain and simple. From the beginning of time, from the beginning of faith, right? It's to love one another. The message is plain and simple. And then John makes the transition very abruptly to the story of Cain and Abel. In Genesis 4, Cain kills Abel. And he explains here that why that happened was because Abel had been doing what was righteous and Cain had been doing what was evil. When we do what is righteous, when we do what is good in God's sight, we cannot be surprised if the world hates us. And we, it's not um, the most encouraging message you probably could have heard in that little bit, um, but it's the truth, right? It's the truth that when God is on the move, sometimes hatred and sometimes ridicule comes. And we don't always get to experience that, but believers, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, get to experience that all over the world. Persecuted by their families, their communities, their governments. Persecution, I'm, I hate to break it to you, Persecution is not Starbucks changing the cup of their color or their color of the cup and like not putting Christmas themes on it. Like that's not persecution. Also, uh, TV shows or advertisements saying Xmas instead of Christmas, not persecution. Okay? Persecution is losing your life, losing your livelihood, losing everything that you own because of something that you believe. 
And we don't always experience that here in Hamilton County. When we love well, when we live as little anointed ones following Christ's pattern of life, we can't be surprised when the world hates us and turns on us. Jump with me to verse 16. This is what reads, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Okay, if you walk away with one thing today, please listen right now. If, you, if you're just like, I gotta tune this guy out, do that after this little bit, okay? The truest form of love, the way of love that we can materialize and truly know what love is, is Jesus giving up his life on the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we should wake up and celebrate every day of our lives. And not only that he died on the cross, but three days later, he raised up and conquered death. Death has no victory over him. This is the real love. And John tells us to model that. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And this is the youth group question I get asked a lot. Well, how am I going to die for my brothers and sisters? Fair. Well, let me point you to 1 John 3.17. He answers, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion... How can God's love be in that person? So, if we have been given much and we do not give back, we're not showing love. What God has done for us, we should have an outpouring of giving to those in need. And I know that we don't do this super well. In fact, I don't do this super well, but this is the lifestyle that God calls us to. He calls us to a life of outpouring, of taking what he has given us and giving back and stewarding well to our brothers and sisters who need it. That's how we show love. The truest form of love is taking your comfortability and being uncomfortable taking your luxury and giving back to those who need it. That is how we love well. Okay, let's jump to verse 18. First John 3, 18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let us not merely say let us show. Don't merely say that you love one another. It cannot be words alone. It must be actions. And we see this in other parts of Scripture in James chapter 1, verse 22. James says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. And in James 2.17, he says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. For those of you who've been following God for a while, can I ask a very pointed question? Has your faith been useless lately? Have you just been going through the motions of coming to Sunday morning and then doing the small group during the week and maybe an extra Bible study during the week? And you're just in this roundabout motion of faith of just doing what you're supposed to do. 
how are we living this out on a daily basis? And maybe some of you are in this room for the first time in a while, or maybe you don't believe anything of this Jesus thing. How many, what has caused that? Maybe it's someone saying they're a Christian and not acting that way, not matching their words with their actions. Maybe that's caused you to lose faith and even doubt the whole faith thing because you don't want to live how some people are living. It's not supposed to be that way. Church, the time for words is gone. It is time for action. In a world full of hatred, in a world full of negativity that is pushing people down, it's time for us to stand up as the church, as Christ followers, and to love well. And not just love because I'm saying it here from the stage, because Jesus talks about it, John talks about it, the whole Bible is filled with love. It's time to match our words with our actions. And don't get me wrong, some of you have probably been doing this really well for many years, and that's incredible. Keep doing that, keep pushing. Think about how you can turn up the dial in your sphere of influence to bring people in, to encourage them along the way. How I was able to show and give love as a junior high or a high school student was way different than when I was in college. And how I gave love and showed compassion and gave back in college was way different than I can do right now. And in 10, 20, and 30 years, it will always look different. But here's what will never change. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. How we love through our actions, how we carry ourselves as little anointed ones, will show that we belong to the truth. Now let's jump to our verse for today, 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commands us. We must, we must believe there is no in-between we must believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who freely gave his life for our sins, our mistakes, our faults, and who conquered death by being raised on the third day and then ascended to the right hand of God and is sitting there today. That is who we believe in. The one who brought life, not de death. The one who brought light, not darkness. The one who crossed the cultural lines to show love in a way that had never been shown before. That is who we believe in. That is the one that came to give us life so that we may extend that life to other people. Can someone say amen? amen. Thank you. Oh my goodness. This, this is the truth. Like this is, this is Jesus. That knowledge of who he is should compel us forward to go into the whole world leaving no doubt who we live for and that we want others to experience that at well. What Jesus has done for us that we belong to the truth. Do you want other people to know that? That's the challenge that John is giving us. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. God-directed love is not leaving your friends living in lies, living in darkness, when Jesus came to bring truth and light. 
God-directed love is sharing what God has done for you in every turn, in every conversation that's appropriate. True love that comes from God just looks and feels different. That's why Jesus like he attracted crowds because people wanted to know what was happening, what was different about him and his disciples. True God-ordained love looks and feels different, or it should. A couple years ago, Pendulette had this quote. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize to them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? This is the truth. And Penn is an atheist. He's talking about Christians. He's heard the message. He knows what we're about. And he has chosen to still say no. That's on him. But what he's saying is like, how much do you have to hate somebody not to at least tell them about the gospel? God-directed love walks into that awkwardness. It breaks the barrier of socially frowned upon topics and conversation for the chance at someone knowing and believing in God. And if they choose not to believe, we can't do anything about that. We just pray that the Holy Spirit would still um, be with them, that it would convict them at some point. But church, we can't do nothing. We can't hate somebody enough to not at least Take a chance and tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done for us because he commanded us. At the end of verse 23, love one another just as he commanded us. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, it's the great commandment. This is Jesus talking and this is what it says. He's asked in verse 36, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? 630 laws plus, 630 plus laws in the law of Moses. Which one is the most important? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What Jesus did was take, what I say, 630 plus laws, and he goes, focus on these two. He condensed all of those into two commandments, love God and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment, not the great suggestion. That's super churchy, but it's the truth. Jesus is calling us to love God and love your neighbor without adding anything to the end. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself, but if they. No, it doesn't exist. Love your neighbor as yourself, but what if they. No. Plain and simple, no matter what team they play for, no matter what they've done, love God and your love for God will pour through you to love other people. Again, our lives should embody this concept and we are commanded, we are called to live this commandment out daily. Here's where I want to land. 
Jesus made faith simple, but narrowing it just down to love sounds simple, and it's actually a lot more complex and challenging. Let me illustrate. So iPhone, if you're an Android person, I'm sorry, you'll, you'll still get it. <laughs> iPhones pride themselves on being simple. They're super simple, right? I, my 15-month-year-old foster daughter can take a picture. Some grandparents can do that too. Um, <laughs> but what if I told you, hey, take this apart and then put it back together? Or what if I said, hey, can you just go on Amazon and just order all the parts you need and build me an iPhone? It's not going to happen, right? Because there's so much complexity underneath that screen where on the surface it's easy, but behind it's not. And we do the same thing with love. Love everyone, but. Love everyone, but what if they... It's simple, but it's really complicated. And that's why we need to keep talking about it. Jesus simplified what this means, but doesn't mean it's easy. And sure, it's really easy to love people who are easy to love. <laughs> but what happens when you run into that difficult person, when it's difficult to love? And loving God sounds really easy, sounds really great. But how do we do that? How do we do that in a daily obedience to him? As you walk out of here today into the busy weeks, into the busy maybe day you've got ahead of you, I want you to do two things for me. But you're not doing them for me. You're doing them for you, obviously, and for God. Um, so two things. Two things I want you to do. The first one, focus on love. No matter what happens this week, no matter who you interact with, focus on love. It's that simple. Love God and love people. Don't overthink it. A lot of times we get caught up in the complexity of overthinking about, oh man, but if they, uh, no, focus on love. And the second thing I want you to do is to memorize this phrase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. As we memorize scripture, as we memorize phrases, they live on the forefront of our minds so that when we are in those situations where it's difficult to love, those situations where you don't know how to get through or how, what would Jesus do? Have that phrase come to mind. Let it propel you forward in what you do. John calls us to do two things in 1 John 3.23. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we must love one another just as he commanded us. Jesus said the best thing you can do is focus on loving God and loving others. Keep faith simple. Love. Jesus took your sins, took the death we should have had, and he died on the cross because he loved us so much. And that is powerful. That is the powerful truth that you should walk out of here knowing he loved me so much. Now, how can I love others? Jesus did something incredible to us. And oh my goodness, like 
we're watching the NCAA championship or the tournament, right? And Furman hits that shot against Virginia. And we're like, yes, I'm in my office screaming, right? I just told you the best news someone could ever tell you. And you're going, where's the applause? Oh, no, seriously, like, where's the, like, can you applause for Jesus? Don't just sit silent. This is the best news you could be told today. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So that's, don't just have a Sunday faith. Wake up tomorrow pumped for the day. Wake up tomorrow ready to share your faith with someone who might be difficult to share it with because that is the lifestyle that Jesus calls us to. Man, my heart's pumping. This is so exciting. This is why we gather. Evan told me not to cry, but I'm crying. Like, this is the commandment because then we can go forward with confidence knowing that God is on our side because he gave his life for something that we're just trying to replicate, that we're trying to live in that love. As you walk out today, be confident knowing that love is the most important thing to God. It always will be and it always has been. That's the truth.